You've probably heard it all before, but this time, let Dr. Lanker connect the dots in a way that makes the Christian faith come alive. I'm your host, Dr. Jason Lanker, and I'm here to help you connect the dots. As a pastor and professor for the last 30 years, I want to help you not only understand the Christian faith, but to make it a transformative part of your everyday experience. Join me as we connect the dots. As we've been walking through the narrative of creation, I hope that we've seen God in a fuller and more complete way than we've ever seen Him before. And also at the same time, I hope that as we're looking more deeply into the creation of humanity, that it helps us to see ourselves in the image of God more fully. I I think that's a really important point and is, in essence, the reason why I'm doing this podcast. Most of us are trying to figure out how to live our human lives, and we have a great answer. When we live the life that looks like the God who created us, that's when we're being most human. So the deeper look that we take into seeing who God is actually becomes the best way for us to see who we are, or at least who we're supposed to be. So as we look into the depths of humanity here in this lesson, we're going to explore a lot of deep and insightful viewpoints that Scripture provides for us that was completely unique within the ancient world and also just for some reason looked over and passed over by many of us who are simply just looking for a creation narrative that says, okay, all right, here's man and woman, they get married, and then they have babies and the whole thing falls apart. There's much more to this narrative, and that's what I want to unpack in a lot of different elements that I'll bring out in this podcast. First, like we talked about, when God made us his selim, when he made us his idols and breathed his life into us, we became the vessels by which he manifested himself. That's why he calls for no idolatry at any other point, because he already has his idols. To make other idols is to demean and to diminish the humanity that he's created, the means by which he is trying to make the invisible visible in some way, to take his infinite essence and to distill it across all of his creation. And one of the first ways that he does this is he says, I will make them male and female. That's a hugely insightful viewpoint into humanity. The reason why is because throughout history, both genders have chosen to put more emphasis on being male or being female. Neither is the full image of who God is. Both are necessary in the process of showing his fullness and completeness, which is a huge insight for us that God is a God who brings unity and difference. He wants us to work together with people that are seemingly so completely foreign to us. And we talk about this within our language of just how you can't understand a man or you can't understand a woman. We seem like completely different creations, but the story of God's creation is no, we're just representing different elements that are essential to humanity. In fact, those essential elements are incredibly linked. To jump ahead just a little bit, when we get into mankind's creation, he is brought before God and God says, hey, it's not good for you to be alone. I will make for you a helper suitable. And those words can be translated as ally, 
oppositely corresponding to. And that ally is taken from Adam. That description of going into a deep sleep is also used throughout scripture as going into a trance. And so I would posit that what's happening here isn't that this is a literal surgery, but that this is a dreamlike state that Adam enters into, that God reveals to him that woman is his pair. It's what literally, and we say this oftentimes, completes him because it's taken from him. And that word rib can also be understood as like the side, just like we would say a side of beef. It's half of the animal. When the rib is taken, when the side of Adam is taken. It's saying she is his equal. She is his pair. She works together with him to give him full completeness. And this is a great insight into who God is revealing himself to be. If mankind is made in his image, he's saying, I don't just exist by myself. I also have a pair that is in essence the same creation as I am. There's nothing different from this other part of me. And this part works in tandem with me to provide full completeness. Now, there isn't an explanation of how exactly that works. That's going to happen as we continue through this narrative. But from the very beginning, God's saying, you want to know who I am? I am paired. But this isn't just a completely different creation. This is from me. This is me, which is this weird way of understanding. But humanity is made in his image. And so he uses us as male and female to help us understand this awesome God who is so far above us. And then what he does is when he has man and woman, in chapter two, it gives us a little bit more specifics on how they were created. God takes from the dust of the earth. Now, if you were going to follow some of the other ancient narratives, the God would take from the clay because you form things, you shape things with clay, you can make an idol with clay, but there is no clay here. It's just dust and you don't form things from dust. What dust shows is that from the elemental things, the things that appear to be non-living, that can be used for clay, that could be used for bricks, that could be used for so many elements, that we are at our core something insignificant as dust. We're base, we're earthly creatures, but God does something unique with humanity. He doesn't just take dust, he takes dust and he breathes into it his ruach, his breath, his life. And so man is this unique combination of both divine breath from God himself and nothingness dust. We're a very unique being that has its life ultimately in and through God, that he is the source of everything, which is another great insight. We cannot live our lives the way that we're made to be without divine interaction, without divine breath. And we use breath to stay alive. We also use breath, as I'm using right now, to be able to speak, to be able to communicate, to be able to have relationship. And so this divine breath being in us is allowing us to not just live, but to be able to communicate and to connect and ultimately to have relationship. And so God in his creation narrative says, I am the source of all life and all community. Without me, you don't live truly 
human life. And this human life, as we see in the creation narrative, is something unique. Even though we're taken from the earth, just like the animals are described in the previous days of creation, we are above the animals. We are not beasts because we have his divine ruach in us that connects in such a way that it gives us a nefesh, a soul, that this combines in a way that gives us life in a way that's unlike any other being. Other beings have his breath, his life in them, but it does not create this nefesh, this soulish being. The way that you could best understand it would be to look at a car. A car can be taken from sheets of metal and all that kind of stuff, but until you put the engine in there, it has no chance of running. But now there's an engine in there, there's a heart to this human being that has been created. It does not live until you put gas into it, until you put something that can give this body, this construction, something to power it. And once you do, those of you who are real car people, depending on how the body of the car was put together and the engine that was put into it, each car has its own unique voice. It has its own unique soul to it. Some of them are more of a sports soul. Some of them are a comfortable soul. Some of them are, and you can fill in the blank with all the different cars that we have. And that's the same thing with humanity. Our nefesh, our soul, is the unique combination between our body, our inner construction, and God's empowering work, his ruach, his spirit in us. And it makes us unlike any other thing. It makes us unlike the animals. And God purposefully brings the animals to Adam so that he can see there's nothing else like you. In fact, you have authority over it. And that authority is probably one of the most important parts of what we've seen in these last couple chapters. When God made humanity, man and woman, he said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and rule over it. At the same time, he made them idols. And so you have these two imageries that are being built up in just this first couple chapters of Genesis, it will continue on throughout the narrative, that there is a kingdom that God has created because That's what you have when you have rulers, kings and queens, males and females that are working together in tandem through their differences, seeing that they are essential elements to either part of the story, they're sides of a whole, and that in that union, they are able to do this incredible work, this oppositely corresponding work that takes care of God's creation. And that care is best described in chapter 2, verse 15, when it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to work it and to care for it. It's the words in Hebrew, bud and samar. Those two words, to work and to take care of, are used almost exclusively for the work of priest inside of a temple. And that is the last insight I want to draw from this passage, that when God created humanity, and set them in the garden, he set them, like many ancients believed, at the center of a temple, that the garden was this place of the gods. Just like how we have Zeus and all of the Greek gods living on Mount Olympus that is a garden-like state. 
the garden of God was the center of his worship. That's why when we finally get to Revelation, there's a garden that runs down the middle of the street of this whole city. It's a place of worship. And so what Adam and Eve are given is they are given a priestly role within this kingdom. Their job is not just to take care of the animals and the grass and everything else. Their job is to take care of all of these elements because as they take care of these elements, God will be most glorified. He will be most seen. And that will bring his kingdom the most structure, the most glory, and the most prestige for the God who created it. So what do we learn? What do we see about how humanity works for God in his creation? First, male and female. Differences are essential to being able to show who God is. And those differences aren't two different things, hopefully being brought together. They are the one. They are the side of the same being, the same construct. And so God is one and yet uses different sides of his being in order to accomplish his purpose has all authority over all things because he named us and he set us in our place. And by naming us and setting us in his place, he also shows that he is above us, that he is greater than us, that even though there may be elements that are similar by being made in his image, we are beasts to his creation in the same way we are to animals. And in that We are brought to life and brought to relationship through his divine breath. And it is only in that conversation, in that interaction, that we find true human life. I hope that gives you greater insight into the God who wants to live with us in this great creation, that he has purpose for his glory and our great joy. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast. And if you'd like more information, please visit us at drjasonlanker.com. That's D-R-Jason-L-A-N-K-E-R. May you go in the grace of God, and may you not just understand the Christian faith, but live it more fully this week.